Welcome to another episode of the A-Game Podcast. This is number seven. I'm your host, Aiden O'Neill, and we got a lot of sports to catch up to, as I always say, from this past week. I'm coming to you live Sunday evening in Solvang, California. What else could be better than this? Nothing much, really. A lot to get to, as I said. I want to thank you guys for the support. After I release this podcast, I'm going to be going on Instagram Live have a couple of announcements to make. I'm going to be doing a Q&A if you guys want to drop in. Give me some love. That'd be great. And I'll continue to shout you guys out. Continue to acknowledge the support every single day I do this podcast. But I want to start with soccer. I want to start with it. I got really into it. I've gotten really into it. My, my, one of my good friends, Jackson Dragonette, he helped me out a ton with getting to learn soccer and you know he's like you got to pick a favorite team I'm like okay I will so my team is Manchester United now and this was before Cristiano Ronaldo went there so don't just call me a bandwagon I said I was a fan a couple days before so my favorite team is Manchester United now that's my team um he went over a couple things I want to talk about with you guys and and I reviewed all of it and I wanted to talk to you so Obviously, Ronaldo is now a part of Manchester United. So that's going to be a powerhouse once again. PSG, Messi made his debut with PSG today. That's also really intriguing. Um, and, and Arsenal's just getting absolutely butt whooped. So they're getting smacked uh, throughout this the first couple games. Um, and it's funny because they're a top six team in Premier League history, but they've sucked. So <laughs> that's that's kind of ironic. Um, uh Mbappe, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, got a $160 million offer from Real Madrid. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. That would be insane. I, it's, in, it's interesting. It's almost like if Kyrie Irving said, I want to leave the Brooklyn Nets when we, already all, when we already have an established super team. You already are on the best team technically in the league, but you want to leave I think Mbappe just wants to light on him, which makes sense. That's what a lot of superstars want. But also, you have a chance of playing. You have a chance of playing with the best soccer player in the world. And I don't know. It's just a little interesting. So a lot to get to there. Uh, Liverpool beat Chelsea a couple days ago, so that was interesting. And um, yeah, I'm just gonna continue to follow soccer as much as possible. And continue to up to you guys on that. So I believe Manchester United made their debut either today or they're going to do it tomorrow um, for the league. But I'll continue updated on that. Like I said, I still got to get into watching a lot more of it. But I did want to cover that because I know a lot of you guys are, are super interested in it. Today, Manchester United um, ended up winning actually 1-0. And uh, Tottenham beat Watford 1-0. Burnley and Leeds both tied. So tomorrow for or next weekend, uh, I there's nothing really released yet except Leeds and uh, Liverpool. They play on Sunday. So that's all I got for soccer. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to answer more on the Instagram Live if you guys ask me some stuff. So that will be cool. But I want to get to the Little League World Series. It wrapped up. And I still have to watch it. So I, I'm pretty sure I know who the winner was, but I still got to go back and watch it. There was a lot of sports going on today. I couldn't get to it. It's one of my favorite events, but... I wasn't as interested because no international teams. When I see Japan, Latin America, the Dominican, you know, all of them playing, it makes me a lot more interested in watching the sport. But unfortunately, due to COVID reasons, they couldn't come over, which is 
which is a bummer. So it's Ohio and Michigan in the final. They battle it out to see who wins the 2021 Little League World Series. So, yep, beautiful summer. Uh, that's one of the best events of the of the year. So great to see that. Also, a lot of baseball news going on. As you might have saw on my Instagram, I was actually at the A's Yankees game on Friday night, and and it was amazing. Uh, I've never been to the Coliseum, so that was my first trip there. I've now accomplished the the feat of going to all five California ballparks, and I'm going to continue to try to go to more. So, Oakland Coliseum, Oakland Coliseum, they get a bad rap. I didn't think it was too bad. People are having fun tailgating. Um, it's an old stadium for sure, but the vibe, I really liked it. And uh, I got to see a great game. The Yankees kind of mashed them a little bit. 8-2 win. You got Shioka homer, Judge homer, Voight homer. Stanton hit an absolute bomb. The farthest home run I've ever seen in person. 472. And yeah, it was a slugfest. But really fun to watch. And as I said, tons of Yankees fans, even though it was on the road for them. But super fun to watch. Uh, Yankees are starting to get hot. They're playing the A's right about now when I'm recording this. I believe they're actually losing. So it's looking like the A's are going to split here. Split with the Yankees in a must-split series for the A's. Must-split. They're, they're battling for that second wild-card spot. The Yankees and Red Sox are in there right now. But the, but the A's got to find something. They got to get hot quickly, and they, they got to make a run. Um, so it was a must-win to at least split. That's what they did. And they just got to continue to ride the wave, as they say. Ride the momentum going into the final couple weeks of the season. Uh, I also saw the Giants. They lost a series. It was their first series loss in about 11 straight series. They lost to the Braves. The Braves are red hot. They're in the lead of the NL East. They're going to be a threat come playoff time. I have concerns with the pitching. That's always my concerns with really offensive heavy teams is the the pitching. The bullpen's shaky for them. They have a couple starters, Freed and Anderson. They got some postseason experience. And when Morton's healthy, he's solid. But the the bullpen really concerns me. I don't know if I have a guy that you can just turn to night in, night out that I'm confident with in that Braves bullpen. But uh, after taking on the Giants, they now fly back to Southern California. They take on the the Dodgers uh, this to start this week. It's going to be a dogfight. And then later this week for uh, the weekend series, we have the Dodgers and Giants battling it out in San Francisco. So that probably will determine who wins the NL West. It's going to be absolutely bonkers i can't wait for for it um and yeah so that was some other stuff from the mlb the indians got kind of whooped this weekend by the red Sox. they kind of took it to them jd martinez is getting super hot um and yeah a lot of teams i was talking to it with my dad the other or today actually and i was saying how the giants most teams with the the record that the giants have or even the record that the dodgers have they're just cruising right now they have a 10-game lead. They're resting their guys, getting ready for postseason time. But the Giants and Dodgers can't do that. They're in the same division, and they're fighting for one spot to win the NL West. Obviously, the loser will host the wild card game that's already set. But they are battling every single day. They, do, they can't rest, guys. The Giants are dealing with some injuries. Dodgers are dealing with some injuries. And they can't really fix those issues because they don't have time off. So White Sox are cruising. They're like 13 up, and... A ton of other teams, like the Brewers, they're ton a ton up, and they're just cruising. So, wet the NL West continues to prove dominant, to put it simply, and uh, it's just continuing, continuing, continuing. So, that's what I got for the NL West, NL East. Like I said, the Braves got that almost wrapped up, and 
It's looking like the Rays are going to be the AL number one seed and the Giants or Dodgers are going to be the NL number one seed. So I'm going to stick with my World Series prediction of the Giants White Sox. And speaking of that, I actually I'm going to start posting on my highlights page on Instagram. I'm going to start posting my predictions, my top tens. So I can always go back to that and see if I got predictions right, because that'll be super interesting. And then I can see how credible I really am. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, great start so far. Um, I also was watching a lot of NFL today. There was a ton of preseason action going on. The Niners beat up on the Raiders. Trey Lance had a rushing touchdown. Jimmy G had a rushing touchdown. And the Niners were running this two quarterback system that I think could actually work in the regular season. Now, obviously, it's just preseason. So you could say, Aiden, obviously, it's going to work. They're playing second string defenses. And I understand that. But keeping a defense off balance is not easy in the NFL because of how intelligent all the players are on the other side of the football and how how hard they play so being able to keep the secondary off balance the front four off balance they're not going to know what happens and Trey Lance he's a mobile he's a dual threat while Jimmy's a pocket passer so we'll see what they do I if I were to predict I said this on my Instagram the other day I believe that Jimmy G is going to be our starter and I say our because I'm a big Niners fan but I believe that Jimmy G is going to be the starter for the Niners week one. And uh, going forward, I could see Trey Lance taking over that spot, no problem. But I also think that, like I said, Kyle Shanahan's one of the best quarterback coaches in the NFL. He's going to manage that properly. So going along with that, Baker Mayfield was also dropping some dimes a couple, uh, about 30 minutes ago. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's played really well. Gardner Minshew actually the backup for the or the former backup I should say for the Jacksonville Jaguars was just traded to the Eagles for a sixth round pick now this is an interesting trade I don't know why you do this considering if Trevor Lawrence for some reason doesn't work you now have nobody to back him up and a sixth round pick that's nothing to brag about Minshew is going to be the backup in Philly now Uh, behind Jalen Hurts and that's a pretty good quarterback room I think that's going to work out well I think the Eagles are a little slept on this season and I even slept on my preseason power rankings I'm sleeping on them but I could see it's on the shoulders of Jalen Hurts and it's on the shoulders of if his young receivers come to play this year Goddard's still going to be solid but it's just and Miles Sanders obviously is phenomenal but it's about the young receivers coming to play and that defense just getting a little bit better. The defense is okay. It's not terrible, but it's not going to be a playoff caliber defense. So Jalen Hurts, I expect him to have a breakout season. Some people are saying he might be in an MVP conversation, but that's not going to happen. But he'll be, he'll be solid. I think he's the future, and that's the future. Dual threat quarterbacks is the future of the NFL. You see it with Jalen Hurts. You see it with Trey Lance. You see it with all those guys, Lamar Jackson, the list goes on. So I like what I saw out of the Eagles. That was a good trade. I mean, it's just a win. They just won an easy trade, and that's what happens. Also, uh, for the NBA, I'm just going to flip to the NBA super quickly. Patrick Beverly was actually traded to the T-Wolves, and he says he's excited for the opportunity. It's uh, just a little kind of – it's kind of ironic considering he told Steph Curry five, a couple years ago that he would own him for five years, and now you're on one of the worst franchises in the sport. So <laughs> Patrick Beverly, he's a character, phenomenal defender, um, and was kind of overpaid by the Clippers. But I wish him the best in Minnesota. That team's going to be young. They're going to be excited. I really like 
what Minnesota's bringing to the table. I like Charlotte. I like how they got Kai Jones in the in the lottery and um you know, now they're going to or it might have been right outside of the lottery, but they got him in the draft and it's beautiful. He's another lob threat for them. You know, you have Miles Bridges now, you have Kai Jones, and they also got Mason Plumlee in there for basically nothing. And he's a pretty solid player. He had a couple triple doubles last year and was basically the leader of that sucky Pistons team. So like what the Hornets are bringing, I like a lot of these young teams. They're interesting. I think the Grizzlies are going to take a step if Jaron Jackson stays healthy. Jock will continue to grow. But I don't see the Hawks taking a major step forward just because their ceiling last year wasn't even the Eastern Conference Finals. They went over their ceiling. So it's going to be hard for them to necessarily exceed expectations again with the Eastern Conference just getting healthier. My finals prediction would probably be Nets Lakers or Nets Warriors right now. I also don't want to sleep on the Nuggets too much because they're going to get Jamal Murray back and Jokic just had an MVP season. So they're going to be right there. Obviously, the Mavericks are going to be competitive if Kristaps returns to his 20-point-per-game, 10-rebound self. He had a really, really poor last season. So for the the Dallas Mavericks, it's on the shoulders of Kristaps Porzingis because Luka's done all he can to lead this team. It is on the shoulders of Kristaps Porzingis and how he plays. The seven-footer, he needs to work on some more post-game. When you're seven-foot-three, I don't want you shooting 35-foot shots. That's just not not good percentage-wise. Get in there, get in the paint, muscle up, and get your, get your points. And, you know, if he just makes it so 65% of his shots are from the paint, 35 from three, that'll be a lot more effective, especially for that Mavericks offense. So... Like what I'm saying, like I said, finals prediction right now would probably be Nets, Lakers, Nets, Warriors, Nets, Nuggets. I feel the Easter Conference is basically the Nets guaranteed if they stay healthy. And if they don't, I see the Bucks giving them a run for their money. But I'd say the West is, once again, much more competitive than the East. So that's what I got for the NBA. I'm going to come back to that a little bit. And, you know, I just, I want to just talk about this real quick, but um, college football actually just started, which is great. Personally, I can't keep track of college football to an insane level, but there's a lot of big games I'm circling this week that are, that are interesting to me. I could, I could see a lot of things happening. So we have Alabama and Miami. They're kicking off on ABC on September 4th. Alabama's ranked one like they always are. Miami University, they're ranked 14. That game could go either way. I see Alabama beating up on them a little bit and probably getting the win there. But anything can happen. Fresno State also looked phenomenal last week. Or, sorry, last week. A couple days ago. And, you know, they're playing number 11 Oregon on Saturday. It's going to be interesting, but I still see Oregon prevailing. These rankings are pretty much legit. With the exception of, obviously, there's going to be upsets. Oklahoma plays Tulane. That's going to be a blowout. Penn State and Wisconsin, that could go either way. I could definitely see Penn State upsetting there. And a lot of my friends help me with this list as well, helping me with some upset takes. Luke, all my friends. And uh, the Citadel plays Coastal Carolina. We'll see what happens there. So moving on, week two, Oregon and Ohio State. That's going to be a dogfight. Notre Dame, Toledo, whole shebang. So I like a lot of the matchups. A ton of them are super close to open up the season. But the one thing 
that bothers me about college football is that I believe there should be an eight-team playoff rather than a four-team. The reason I say this is a four-team basically means the same four or a total of six teams will be in that four every single time. And there's a lot of franchise. Like, I'm personally, I'm a California guy. I like Stanford. I like a lot of the teams from here. I, I don't really have a favorite college football team. I probably should get that soon. I just like watching college football. And I like watching the guys grow when they can go into the NFL draft. That's what I like seeing. But the main thing is I, for especially alumni, once I'm an alumni at a school, I'm going to feel way more passionately about college sports. But I believe if you want more interest from the general public of college football and you want teams, because we see upsets all the time. We see upsets almost every single weekend. We need to get at least eight teams in there and see what happens. One plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, et cetera. That's what we need for the people. Because having four teams when it's Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, Clemson, like all those teams every single year, it gets repetitive and it gets kind of annoying. So you want you want a different – you want someone else. And I know the rich are going to get richer. The top recruiting schools are going to continue to recruit the five stars every single year. But give other schools a chance because – it's really hard for a small school. UCF a couple years ago went undefeated and they couldn't even get in because of their schedule was weak. Now, if there was an eight team, they would have got in. And then who knows? Who knows what could have happened? So that is my philosophy. That's what I really think the NCA needs to do is they need to implement an eight team rather than a four team because it's the same four almost every year. And even if it's not the same four, it's, it's quite repetitive. I also saw, moving on to, or going back to football a little bit, I, or for NFL at least, J.K. Dobbins, he tore his ACL. That's just super unfortunate for that Ravens backfield. They still do have Gus Edwards, so they're going to be okay there. But And they, obviously they have Lamar Jackson, who's the best dual threat right now. But it, it is difficult. I was looking forward to seeing J.K. Dobbins thrive this year, get a good amount of carries, be an RB1, but... He's unfortunately going to miss this season. The Vikings also signed Harrison Smith, second highest paid safety. He is a star. That man is different um, and super happy for him. So I'm going to finish this with a segment on teams fans. Now, when we think of a team's fan base, we think of supporting and loving and you go through your team where your team's good or they're bad, and you stick with them. But Javier Baez today showed, or he at least highlighted how that's not the case with every fan base. When I think of bad fan bases in the league, I think of Philadelphia fans because I think they're dirty and they, you know, they boo their team. Mets fans, I'm going to go back to that. That's why I'm relating it with Javier Baez. And just any team that boos their players. Now, these players, they, they're people too. They have feelings, and I know they're getting paid millions. They shouldn't get affected by that. Of course. But when you're supporting a team, you go through the grit and grind and up and down. Your team's the worst in the league one year. Your team's the best in the league one year. You go through it all, and that's what makes it special when you win a championship. Now, the Mets fans, the Mets had a great first half, and they were in, pos- they were in almost guaranteed position to win the NL East. 
And then their second half struggles started. They had a they have a super tough schedule. They just played the Giants and Dodgers eleven straight days or something like that. And in those times, you've got to rally around your players, not let them down. Javier Baez and Lindor, they started a thumbs down celebration. They said, if you boo us when we're doing bad, we're going to boo you when we're doing good. And I thought that was kind of funny. So we see this also, like I said, with the Sixers. Sixers fans will boo the boo. Sixers fans will boo the Sixers when they are going on or when the other team is a 12-0 run. They will start booing them. They expect more. And I, I am all for high standards. I'm all for it. But players, if they just hear cheers, they're going to get hyped. They're going to get going. It's unacceptable as a franchise. If you're the franchise of the Mets, don't boo them. You wonder why the Mets are so bad every season? Look in the mirror. My goodness. Yeah, I know Lindor's playing like he's a not a $300 million player. I understand that. But... Rally around your players more, see what happens, and then talk. If they still are bad, go back to your booing ways. But I just want to see some more camaraderie from fan bases cheering around because these players, they do have feelings too. So that's how I wanted to cap off my podcast. I just wanted to talk about fan bases and how players have feelings and how you should be together with your team, all of that. But that is basically... All I got for you, it was a, I I personally had a great time talking to you once again. A lot went on in the sports world. I just cannot wait to see this football season start. I can't wait to see everything start going. MLB down the stretch, NBA off season, NBA getting rolling. Life is good. Sports is good. That's all I got for you. Thank you for listening to episode number seven of the A-Game podcast. And hope you guys have a phenomenal rest of your week. Tune into the live video. We're going to have an announcement. We're going to answer some questions. That'll be coming to you at about 8.10 or 8.15. Have a great night. Peace.